the Federal Judicial Center, I'm Beth Wiggins, Director of the Research Division, and this is Term Talk. In each 8 to 12 minute episode, we discuss what the lower courts may need to know about this term's decisions. Joining me today is Erwin Chimerinsky, Dean and Jesse H. Chipper, Distinguished Professor of Law, University of California, Berkeley School of Law. Also here is Michael McConnell, former judge for the Tenth Circuit Court of Appeals, and now Richard Francis Mallory, Professor of Law and Director of the Constitutional Law Center at Stanford University Law School. Thank you both for being here. Let's move on to Carson um, versus Macon. Um, this case involves a state of Maine giving assistance to parents of children who attend secular private schools, but not to parents of children who attend private religious schools. This sounds very similar to a case the court considered a couple of years ago. Um, Michael, can you tell us more about it? Yes, first of all, this is a, an unusual um, arrangement that exists uh, only in Maine and, and a couple of other New England states uh, in which there is insufficient school-age population to, in some districts uh, to actually have a school. And so what they do is that they continue to collect the property taxes for public education, but they allow the families then to use that money uh, for the school of their choice. It could be a public school in a surrounding district. It could be a private school. It can be, and until 1980, uh, it could be a religious school also. In 1980, the state attorney general uh, reading, I think accurately, the Supreme Court's jurisprudence of that day said that that is unconstitutional for Maine to uh, to to uh, allow parents to uh, to use religious schools, uh, and then the legislature changed the uh, statute so that it it forbids it. Well, in the meantime, the Supreme Court has completely uh, abandoned that uh, line of cases, and so. This case then uh, looks at, well, what do we do? Is it, is it just that states may be neutral toward religion, or do the religion clauses together require them to be neutral uh, toward religion? Uh, and the court's answer was, neutrality is the rule. Uh, uh, religion is neither to be disfavored nor favored. And so in this case, that meant that the uh, parents could not be excluded uh, from uh, choosing religious schools within this program. So Erwin, what did the dissent say in this case? There were two dissenting opinions. Justice Breyer said that the majority is ignoring the Establishment Clause and exalting just free exercise of religion. The dissent says in Justice Breyer's opinion that the majority fails to give sufficient weight to Maine's interest in providing a free secular education to its students and fails to give sufficient weight to Maine's interest in not taxing some to support the religion of others. Here Breyer quotes from both Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. And here I think where the majority in the dissent disagree is over what Michael's referring to as neutral. What the dissent says is, we've gone from the issue being, when may the government give aid to religious schools without a violating establishment clause, to now, when must the government give aid to religious schools in order to not violate free exercise of religion? Justice Sotomayor wrote a separate dissent. She had written a vehement dissent in 2017 in Trinity Lutheran versus Comer and said that was the first time in history the Supreme Court had ever required the government to write funds to religion. She said, I was right in that case 
I saw this was going. We should not have the government required to support religion in religious schools. So, Michael, what do you think this case means for the lower courts? Well, I, I think this has been a remarkable um, movement over the last several decades. But this really puts the period at the end of a, of a very long convoluted sentence because the, the real problem here is that the Supreme Court in, in the 1970s and 1980s embarked on a project of, uh, of secularization of education. It, it forgot that the real purpose of the religion clauses is, is uh, voluntarism and choice that is for people to be able to practice religion only to the extent that they uh, choose to, uh, but that the government should not have a, its thumb on the scales against religious choice. And, and it's taken, what, uh, almost 50 years now to unwind uh, from those mistaken decisions. And I think they're back to where um, most people would have thought the law was uh, before Lemon versus Kurtzman, which is to say that uh, the, it, the government should care about education, but it should not care about whether uh, in addition to, you know, reading and writing and arithmetic and science and so forth, um, a school imparts a particular ideological or religious uh, point of view that that's up to the parents. Erwin? This isn't something from the last several decades. It's only in the last five years that the Supreme Court has said that free exercise requires that the government fund private religious schools when it funds private secular schools. Beth, in answer to your question, I think this is going to lead to a lot of litigation. To give some examples, in many states, including California, there are charter schools. These are public schools that are funded by the government but run by private entities. California law says that there can't be religious charter schools. That's now going to be challenged. There are many government programs that give money for secular purposes, but not religious purposes. There are programs that say there's drug and alcohol rehabilitation, but it can't be faith-based programs. Those are all going to be challenged. This is unprecedented until a few years ago in requiring the government to subsidize religion. Thank you, Erwin. Why don't we move on to the next case? Erwin, as you know, Ramirez versus Collier addresses the burden states can be required to shoulder in accommodating free exercise of religion in the context of incarceration. In this case, it was the accommodations required to be made in an execution chamber. Um, can you tell us about this case? Sure. This is not a case about the First Amendment. It's about a particular federal statute, the Religious Land Use in Such Persons Act. And it says that when the government substantially burdens religion in its land use decisions or its treatment of institutionalized persons, it has to meet strict scrutiny. Ramirez was convicted and sentenced to death for stabbing a man to death in the context of a robbery. At the time of his execution, Ramirez requested that certain things be provided to him. He wanted his pastor to be in the death chamber with him. He wanted the pastor to be able to lay hands on him, and he wanted the pastor to be able to say audible prayers. Um, Texas refused to allow this, and Ramirez brought this challenge under the Religious Land Use Suicide Persons Act. The Supreme Court, eight to one, ruled in favor of Ramirez, Chief Justice Roberts writing for the court, and Chief Justice Roberts stressed that a Religious Land Use Suicide Persons Act, 
The government action must be necessary to achieve a compelling purpose. Obviously, security in the death chamber is a compelling purpose, but Roberts said the state failed to prove that the means were necessary, that the restrictions on religion here were needed in order to achieve safety and security. So, Michael, what's the message for the lower courts here? This is a particularly dramatic case in its facts, but I don't think it was particularly uh, dramatic or, or unprecedented in its uh, in its reasoning. Uh, the RELUPA, is, along with its uh, counterpart statute, the Religious Freedom uh, Restoration Act, have, have been on the books for a number of years, and, and these questions keep coming up, especially in the prisons like a few years ago, uh, could uh, Muslim uh, prisoners be uh, required to shave their beards because of, uh, of prison fears, uh, for prison officials having fears that they might be able to, to uh, hide things or, or, or obscure their identities? Uh, there have been lots of, there's been lots of litigation over um, holding worship services uh, within the prisons and so forth. And in all these cases, and this Ramirez is just the most recent one, uh, the Supreme Court has been quite emphatic that uh, the government bears the burden of showing uh, that the uh, pr prison practices are necessary in order to, uh, to protect uh, security. And that's what the statute said, and I, I don't consider the result here particularly uh, fresh or surprising, uh, but uh, no doubt there will be future cases uh, presenting different variations of the facts, as is always the case. Erwin? I very much agree with Michael here, and I think what's most important for the lower courts is to recognize that the Supreme Court is using a very exacting form of strict scrutiny under our LUPA. Okay. Well, thank you both for being here today, and um, I look forward to talking with you again. Thank you. This podcast was paid for at U.S. taxpayer expense.